الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم من جاء بالحسنة فله عشر أمثالها صدق الله العظيم Most respected students of deen, mothers and sisters As a child grows And the child starts understanding What is the value of things As he grows up a little bit Maybe he might be 6-7 years old Little more, sometimes many children, many much earlier also they start understanding what is money what is the value of things then they become possessive over their items and as time goes if they are going to part with something they will only part with something if they are going to get something better in return they start understanding these things very well so as the person finally grows up they understand what is profit that you do something you buy something then you sell it at a higher price you will gain a profit so many are from a very young age very business minded and they are all the time looking at how to make a profit somewhere how to increase the money that they have and as a result they become quite involved in this kind of things in business so this is the general nature of people that they are always looking at making a profit at earning something extra and even the person who is not in a business situation or is not business minded as such he also is always looking for a bonus he is looking for some extra for some overtime payment this is an ongoing thing every human generally this is a situation Allah Ta'ala is also encouraging us to earn profit but the difference is that the profit of dunya is a very very temporary profit very short lived Sometimes that profit comes but it doesn't bring along with it what is expected, what is hoped for. The profit came, very big profit came. Person got profit in the millions. So now what was the whole exercise for? Why did he work so hard? And why did he keep slogging in that business of his? Or whatever other avenue of income it was? Why did he keep making so many sacrifices? It wasn't for the purpose of the money itself. Because this money is such a disloyal thing that until you do not part with it, it won't benefit you. This is how disloyal this wealth of dunya is. A person has stacks of notes, 20 rand notes, he's got a whole room filled with it. How many millions might come and fit into that room? 200 notes filled from the floor till the roof and the entire room so 
they'll run into perhaps maybe even Allah knows best with the bullion also he's got all this wealth but he is hungry he wants to eat something he wants to fill his stomach he wants to satisfy this hunger that room full of notes it can't benefit him it can't help him to satisfy his hunger in any way all that work he did all that slogging all that hard effort and the sacrifices he made to earn that now if he is locked up in some house got locked up and there isn't anything to eat there and nobody some whatever the problem was whatever the reason is he got locked up in it and now he just can't contact anybody outside because all the phone lines are cut and all the networks are down so there's no reception anywhere and now one day passed two days passed he's blocked in here he can't attract anybody's attention nobody knows he's inside because there's high boundary walls here and nobody even knows what's going on here and he's stuck in here and there isn't one single thing to eat but there's this whole room filled with 200 notes or rather let's say it's filled with 100 dollar notes 200 rands is nothing now doesn't even add up to much so let's just say it's 100 dollar or 100 pound notes a whole room filled with 100 dollar notes but he is starving to death now what is this going to be able to help him he will not be able to eat those notes he can keep counting them he can keep looking at them but he can't quench his thirst with it he can't satisfy his hunger with it and Allah forbid if there's no way for him to escape from this and nobody comes to assist him he'll die of starvation despite this whole room filled with notes there is an incident mention of a king in the past that he used to secretly go into his vault and used to count everything because he was very suspicious that maybe the treasurer sometimes he is doing something upside down he is probably pinching something so sometimes from time to time he used to go and he used to lock the vault door the whole big room which was filled with all his treasures and valuables he used to lock it from the inside so that nobody knows what's going on here that he is coming quick secretly and he is checking so any case he came one night and he quietly secretly came into the vault because he had his own set of keys and now he went inside and he locked the door from the inside and then he started going about his whole checking now it's a big room so he's checking this out doing a kind of audit now is this in order is that the same amount that he was told etc while he is busy the guard on his normal patrol he came past the vault and he's seeing that this latch from the outside is open now there's some kind of latch or whatever it might have been the latch from the outside is open he got a shock he tried the door the door was locked he said well the door is locked but how somebody forgot to put the lock on the latch he didn't know that the king is inside he thought now somebody forgot to put the lock on the latch he went and brought one lock and locked it up so and then he carried on later when the king finished off all his counting he came to the door and uh, just can't open the door now he's shouting but now the walls are so thick the door is so thick nobody can hear him outside and it's all sealed now nobody knows he's here 
People started looking for him all over the place. The next day they can't find the king. And the last place anybody thought of looking for him is in the vault. Because the vault is now locked from the outside. How can he be inside? They don't know that what happened here. The guard thought that somebody forgot to put the lock. And he put his own lock. Now nobody crossed anybody's mind to look for him here. And they're looking for him in the whole place everywhere. And they just can't understand what went on. In the meantime, this king carried on trying. But now this vault is a very secure place. And there's no way to come out of it also. And everything is sealed and nobody can hear him from inside because he's shouting but the walls are so thick. Everything is secure and sealed. Days passed and he finally was dying of starvation. He wrote a note and he left it there. That look, I had all this wealth in my possession but today I'm dying of starvation. I'm dying of hunger. I... I'm starving to death. So this wealth couldn't help me in any way. So this is the reality of the wealth. On the one side, mashallah, it's a na'mat from Allah Ta'ala. But this is its reality. That it is so loyal, disloyal, that till you don't part with it, you have to take that wealth and give it to somebody else. Meaning you'll buy with that wealth something. You have to give the wealth to somebody and he'll in return give you some food. So you'll buy some food, buy something to cook. But you'll have to part with that wealth. Then it will benefit you. So Until you don't part with it, it's of no use. So in any case, this point just came. By the way, we just digressed from what we were talking about. That what we were talking about is that now a person earned all this great amount of wealth. And what he earned it for, what was the object? It wasn't the wealth itself. Because if it was the wealth itself, it's a very disloyal thing. Until you don't part with it, it won't benefit you. But it was for the, what he can try and achieve through the wealth. What the wealth can become a means of. So now what he, want, he wants it to be a means of. So whatever you call it, whatever you bring into the situation, whatever aspects we count into it. But the sum total of it all is that he wanted to be happy by means of this wealth. That is the bottom line. And whether it is now that he will have a nice house maybe, he'll have a nice car, he will have some good food, he will have whatever else, all the things, but the sum total of it all, why he wants a nice house, so he can be comfortable, he can be happy. Why he wants a good car, so he can be happy. Maybe he might be able to thrill others also, that might make him feel more happy. Why he wants to wear some good clothing, then he can boast in front of others. Now that's wrong obviously, but this is his wrong intentions. Why? When now he'll boast in front of others, they'll look at him, oh, look at this person, he's got some, he's a very stylish person, so now because people will feel impressed about him, this will make him happy. This is what he's thinking in his mind. All these kind of muddled thoughts and shaitani thoughts are now going in his mind. He wants to be happy, but that's the bottom line. He wants to try and achieve happiness through all these things. But what often happens, and many, many times happens, that that same wealth which he worked so hard for and he made so many sacrifices for and he did so much to try and earn that profit and he finally got it. He finally earned that wealth. He finally got it in the millions. But then Allah forbid, Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. Many a person who after having earned it, he said this thing destroyed my life. It destroyed my children. 
that changed the whole peace. That whole peace became turned upside down and it became a situation of great amount of difficulty, great amount of problems between people. and All the things happen as a result of the wealth. Again, some other point is coming to mind. There was some article somebody sent forward. In the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala forbids gambling. Now this is one separate aspect which I am discussing before coming to that article somebody sent. In the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala forbids gambling. It's haram, completely haram. Whether the gambling is in a casino, it's haram obviously. Whether it is somebody gambling through the internet, that too is haram. Somebody is playing some kind of games in which they are gambling money. That if you win, then you take the money and if I win, I'll take the money. These kind of things happen. Even sometimes some children's games, it seems, meaning little children, 10, 12 years old, 15 years old, they play some kind of funny games. Now, for example, some young boys, all these cases come once in a while. After one year, then again it'll come back. Then it'll carry on for one month, a few weeks, then it'll die off. One, two months, two, three months, it'll die off then. Then something else will come. Then after a while again they'll bring the back because they need to make money now. So last year what people were had bought and were playing with it and used it and all got lost now because for one year nobody it was out of style. So all got lost. Now they will create a time period for it to be now lost. Then again it'll come back. So now people buy again. And all funny funny things just to make money. So sometimes they bring about this marbles craze. Now young boys now, they're playing marbles. How now? Okay, who, but how, whatever the method of the game is, Allah knows. But either I will then knock off your marbles and win it, or the person, the other person is doing, he's winning it. But this is gambling. This too is a form of gambling. Now there are many, many kinds of games of this nature, where one person, if he wins the other person's things, he'll take it away. If that person wins his things, he'll take it away. There's gambling. The details of it and the specifics of it, we need to, when something comes up new, we don't just dive into it. We be very careful and we first find out. Some things might be fine, but generally these things are gambling. So in any case, the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala specifically and clearly forbids gambling. And then Allah Ta'ala says something in the Quran Sharif, إِنَّمَا يُرِيدُ الشَّيْطَانُ أَنْ يُوقِعَ بَيْنَكُمُ الْعَدَاوَةَ وَالْبَغْضَاءَ فِي الْخَمْرِ وَالْمَيْسِرِ وَيَسُدَّكُمْ عَنْ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ وَعَنِ الصَّلَاةِ فَهَلْ أَنْتُمْ مُنْتَهُونَ Allah Ta'ala says that shaitan wishes to أَنْ يُوقِعَ بَيْنَكُمُ الْعَدَاوَةَ وَالْبَغْضَاءَ Shaitan wishes to incite and create enmity and malice between you. How? فِي الْخَمْرِ وَالْمَيْسِرِ by means of intoxicants and gambling. Now, intoxicants is also a topic on its own, but we're just now discussing gambling. So just to take the aspect of gambling. Allah Ta'ala is saying, by means of gambling, shaitan wants to create this, by means of getting you involved in gambling, shaitan wants to create this enmity and create this Malice among you. Now to the person who just looks at this at face value, he will say, I can't understand this. 
When a person is gambling, okay, one is somebody lost. Fine, now he lost, so maybe, okay, we'll say that, fine, now this is going to create a problem at home now. Wife is going to be very upset, you lost all the money and somebody else. But many a person wins. So maybe this doesn't apply to the winner. So you must just make sure you try and win. So this doesn't apply to the winner, it applies only to the loser. But the Quran Sharif didn't say winner or loser. The Quran Sharif said everybody, whoever gets involved in gambling, shaitan is going to use this. Shaitan wants to make this a means of creating enmity and creating this malice. Now the person thinks, but if this person wins, now many people win some lotteries and whatever else. So when somebody wins a lottery, one million rands, this will be splashed on the front pages of the newspaper. Now that one person out of how many? The one person out of every maybe 100,000, 200,000, maybe one million also people. Because so many people participate in this thing and, and become part of it. Allah knows best how many. It could be many hundred thousand, could be maybe a million people also. Now out of that million people, 99% they lost all their money. The 1% won something. Now the 1% who won something, they splashed that on the news and on the front pages of the newspaper and everywhere. Now this is all shaitan's tricks. And the other 99% who lost the money, nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about it. That 99% lost their money. 99% were in a terrible situation and they became really miserable. And the turmoil they found themselves in, all that is swept under the carpet. And the 1% so now it looks very glamorous. It, this is all shaitan's manner. So any case now, we're talking about that 1% who want something. Allah Ta'ala is saying even them. Shaitan is going to use this to create malice. Now, keep this ayat in front. And now we mentioned something about an article. Somebody sent one article. One couple. This happened sometime recently in Canada or America. America, I think it is. So, any case, this couple were also buying these lottery tickets. From time to time, they were buying the lottery tickets. Now, sometimes the husband gave the money, sometimes the wife gave the money, and they bought it. So, now, it was carrying on. Every time they're buying and they're losing, winning nothing, they're losing the money. So whatever amount they were paying, every time they buy the thing, 50 rand, 100 rand, and they're losing it. Carried on for a good amount of time. One day, they bought a ticket also, and the husband went, he bought it, he put it in his pocket. After some days, the wife asked him that, uh, that numbers came out, you checked it up, did we win anything? He said, no, we didn't win anything. Two days later, she sees he's packed his bags and he's already disappeared from the house. What happened now? She started checking. She realized he won the lottery. But now he didn't want to share it with her. So he disappeared overnight. So she went and brought about a court case against him. Now this matter is going to court. And she's claiming that all these times, one day he would buy and one time I would buy. And uh, it was men that if anything comes, it will belong to both of us. Now he suddenly, because he had paid for this particular ticket, so now he ran away with it. So now she started a court case against him. Now can we imagine, look at the wording of the Quran Sharif. It would have meant, now they won about some 4,000 dollars or 4,000, uh, 4 million, 4 million dollars or 4 million pounds or something like that. Allah knows best. 
you would think now four million dollars, shallow, you would take the dollars out and make it rands too. Four million rands, if they shed it half and half, they would be so happy and they'll carry on with life. And Now that's how we would think about it. Allah Ta'ala is saying this will be creating animosity, it will be creating malice, it will create hatred. Now, when haram comes in the system, the mind cannot think in a halal manner. When haram comes in the system, the mind will only think of haram. So as a result now, this gambling money came in, so now both parties are thinking in a haram way. This fellow ran off, now she is demanding, so that whole relationship broke, and now they will be at loggerheads. Now if there's some children in the process, the children will be all torn apart, and the extended families will be all at loggerheads, there will be a big enmity that will grow somewhere there. Now look at the words of the Quran Sharif. إِنَّمَا يُرِيدُ الشَّيْطَانُ أَنْ يُوقِعَ بَيْنَكُمُ الْعَدَاوَةَ وَالْبَغْضَاءَ فِي الْخَمْرِ وَالْمَيْسِرِ This is going to create enmity. Now the person says, oh, maybe the loser, not the winner. But here's the winner. There was one article where somebody had done a survey of 25 people who had won the lottery in England. Now we're talking about in the pounds, million pounds and more, each person won. And 25 people he surveyed, they're all saying that their lives turned for the worse after they won. Now we're talking about the winners. Their lives turned for the worse after they won. Now, obviously their lives turned for the worse. Now they're fighting with this person, that person. Some relative came, he says, I heard you won the lottery. Now I'm in a bad state. Now lend me something. But now the haram came in the system. He can't think in a halal way. That, well, okay, now, let me give this fellow something and he keep him happy. No, 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 he'll never be able to think like that. He'll want to keep everything for himself. Everybody will cut ties from him because this fellow is a miser. He got this for nothing. And now he don't want to share with us something. Whereas it's his uh, something, whatever, though is haram, but now he got it. Why should they now come and get involved? But they'll get involved. Allah Ta'ala will cause this haram to become a means of this turmoil. Because Allah Ta'ala has already spelt it out. This is what shaitan wants to do. So, this is the issue that sometimes a person has now made all those sacrifices, all that effort to earn that wealth. Why? Because he wanted happiness. That was the bottom line. The bottom line was that he wanted happiness. If somebody told him beforehand, this one million rands, you can have it if you want, but there's it, we give it to you in writing and this is guaranteed 100% that after you take this 1 million you're going to start having all this problem in your life, your whole life is going to become miserable, you're going to be in a state of depression you're going to be fighting with your family you're going to be, your home is going to break apart and all these things are going to happen and you're going to be totally miserable, nobody's going to be your friend you want it, take it if somebody was sure about what is being said, if he could be 100% sure that what this person is saying is guaranteed, it's going to happen like this, would anybody be ready to take that million rand for all these problems in life? You'll see, you'd rather keep that million rands, I'm fine how I am. Doesn't matter, I don't have any luxuries, I don't have any comforts, but at least I got peace. I'm happy, it's fine, you keep that for yourself and you can be miserable. So the person wants happiness. And many a times, that wealth doesn't bring the happiness. It brings the opposite. It brings turmoil. Many a times, it creates all kinds of difficulties and hardship. 
So this is the profits of dunya. A person earned it in a halal way. It has come in a good manner. It was earned with the right intentions. MashaAllah, it's barakat. It's a na'mad. And then it still doesn't finish off with that. He's spending it in the correct manner. And he's earning the akhirat also with it. Then mashallah for him it's an excellent thing. It's a beautiful na'mad. But such people are small in number. Otherwise, it's earned without due care. As a result, it brings so many problems. And then it's spent wrongly also. If not all, a good amount of it is spent wrongly. It's spent in incorrect things. It's spent in israf and wastage. In just trying to make a name for oneself. Spent in all wrongful aspects. So this becomes a burden. And it creates a problem. That is as far as the profits of dunya are concerned. Sometimes it will come, mashallah, it will be a very big blessing. But very often it doesn't bring any good. And it creates more of a pressure, and more turmoil and more difficulties for the person. But Allah Ta'ala is inviting us towards the prophets of Akhirat. Allah Ta'ala is saying, Man jaa bil hasanati falahu ashru amsaliha. The person who brings one righteous deed, he'll get ten times the like thereof in the Akhirat. One good deed he did, he'll be multiplied by ten. In other words, these are the prophets he's getting now. And that too is the minimum. Wallahu yudha'ifu limay yasha. Allah Ta'ala multiplies it to whatever extent he wishes, for whoever he wishes. Depending on the person's sincerity, his ikhlas, how well he did the amal. Now, for us, this is now reward, sawab, we keep talking about it. It's something very far-fetched sometimes, very abstract, something very distant. We don't know what's going on here. But this is what we have to have our yaqeen in. We have to develop our yaqeen in this. And then we will realize how valuable this profit of akhirat is. Because any moment our time could finish off on, in dunya, then we will realize what is the benefit of saying Subhanallah once. Here, after our salah, there's such great virtues for reciting tasbih. In the Hadith Sharif, the incident is mentioned where the poor Sahaba came to Rasulullah wasallam, and they mentioned to him that we are at a disadvantage here. We are also performing salah, the wealthy sahaba also perform salah, we fast, they also fast, we make jihad, they also make jihad, but they spend in the path of Allah Ta'ala, we don't have that ability to spend, because we got nothing to spend, we don't have any wealth, so they earning rewards out of spending in the path of Allah Ta'ala, we are behind them in this, they winning this, now can you imagine the enthusiasm, the zeal, how eager they were for sawab, for reward, it wasn't for the sake of enjoying the comforts of dunya. It was so that they could spend in the path of Allah Ta'ala. Now they came with this sort of, not a complaint, but they expressing their situation that now we are at a disadvantage. How do we overcome this? So Rasulullah Sallallahu said to them that I will teach you something, that somebody can spend all the wealth in the world, he cannot reach the reward of the action that you will do. So what is this action? Nabi Sallallahu taught them ten times Subhanallah, ten times Alhamdulillah, and ten times Allahu Akbar after every salah. Now what a simple amal. What a simple amal. But 
what the rewards are, somebody, some wealthy person can spend all his wealth, he can't earn, he'll get a lot of reward with that, but the reward of this person reciting these tasbihat ten times each after every salah is far beyond that. So can we imagine how much of sawab and how long it takes? It won't even take 30 seconds. These ten times each are 30 times, will take less than 30 seconds. It might take 20 seconds, 25 seconds, hello, 30 seconds. Person decides it very well. Very, very well, nicely, slowly, feeding each time it's settling in the heart, it'll take 40 seconds. Now for 40 seconds, what difficulty is that? What effort went into it? 40 seconds. But for that 40 seconds, he will get the reward that somebody else can spend all the money that he has, but he will not be able to He will not be able to get this reward. So, what the issue is, that we need to become very, very conscious of this and take this little effort and try to earn this reward. So, the thing that we have to do is, we have to make the effort to try and earn the maximum. So, by simply reciting these tasbihat, for example, ten times each after every salah, and in this way, such great rewards. So, the Sahaba who came, they heard this, they were very happy, they went away. After a while they came back, they said, we are still at a disadvantage. Because the wealthy Sahaba also learnt this. They are practicing on this also, and they are also spending. So we still can't keep up with them. Nabi Islam said to them, now you recite 33 times each, after every Salah. So they went back very happy. After a while they came back, they said, but the wealthy Sahaba also heard about it. They are also doing this now. Nabi Islam then said to them, Zalika fadlullahi That is the grace of Allah Ta'ala, He gives it to who He wishes. That mashallah they have wealth also, but they are using it correctly. That's Allah Ta'ala's favor. Allah Ta'ala gave them, Allah Ta'ala will give you something else. So, but the lesson in this is, that how eager they were to earn these rewards. And now this is how simply we can be earning rewards as well. We need to apply ourselves and we need to be able to realize that what a great and tremendous aspect this is. We need to start applying ourselves. One, one amal. One virtue at a time we try and learn and we try to start practicing on these things. On the one side, these tremendous rewards. You will get these tremendous ajar and rewards, sawab. At the same time, the other aspect is that these amal have tremendous noor in them. So when we will be practicing, we will get the rewards also. We will get this great noor. And it will enlighten our hearts. And in this way, we will find the benefit of it in dunya. Because this noor will help us here also. And it will enlighten our hearts here. We will think correctly. We will be able to do things correctly. We will get closer to Allah Ta'ala. And it will help us in the akhirat as well. At that time in the akhirat there won't be anything else to help us. But our iman and amal. So, like people are very very conscious of the profits of dunya and they are very eager to try and earn the maximum profits of dunya and they make big sacrifices, lot of sacrifice, lot of hard work, lot of time spent in it. But more than that we should be trying to earn the maximum for the akhirat. This too requires some sacrifices, requires some effort. But inshallah, as we apply ourselves, 
we make an effort in the correct manner, we dedicate ourselves, we will find that it will become very much part of our system, that we will be able to perform these amal very easily, like for example now, reciting these tasbihat after every salah, or other amal, in this way we will get the best of dunya and akhirat. We will get such great rewards, we will only really know on the day of qiyamah, and that's when we will appreciate it. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, give us all the tawfiq, وآخر دعوانا عن الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله اللهم افتح لنا بالخير واختم لنا بالخير واجعل عواقب أمورنا بالخير بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم صلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه المعين والحمد لله رب العالمين